0: So, so far, we learned about in the Mimer, about the month of El, is that just like Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, that he needs to go up to the mountain to receive the uh, second tablets, on, Hashem told him on the first day of El, so to Hashem tells each of us, on the first day of El, that we need to make our tablets, and when we make our tablets during the month of El, that is a preparation for on Yom Kippur, when Hashem can inscribe the tablets. And we compare this, and we're going to continue in this comparison today, f- to something the this week's Torah portion. The Six Torah portion talks about a man going out to war, and meeting in captivity, a, what the Torah describes as a beautiful woman. And the Torah says that if he wants to marry her, she must first cry about her gods, her father and mother for thirty days, and then he can um, he can be with her, and he can be intimate with her. So we learned that the thirty day uh, three days of tears represent the month of El, and the intimacy represents the time of Yom Kippur. And just like Moshe Rabbeinu had to first create the tablets during those first thirty days. So too, we, we, need, we need to agree to get married. We need to work on being agreeable to get married. We want, that we want to accept Hashem's betrothal. Just like when Hashem married us the first time, when He gave us, gave us the Torah, we first had to say, we will do, even before we understand, we had to make the first move of acceptance of Hashem. And only then was it possible for Hashem to give us that gift from heaven. As the Torah says god took the mountain and placed it over our heads like a barrel the spiritual analogy to this is the love that hashem showed us when he gave us the torah was something that was so overwhelming something that that affected every fiber of our being in a way that we couldn't not help but love him back that's the meaning of the analogy of the barrel when you're standing in a barrel there's nowhere to go in a similar way hashem showed us such love there's no way we couldn't not respond. There's no there's no place in our heart that could resist the love because it was so overwhelming. I think of it as like a, a Jewish mother's love. It's such a powerful, deep love that there's no way to there's no place in the person to resist the love. So in order to get to that revelation that Hashem gave us in the holiday of giving the Torah, but what first had to happen was our initial we will do before we understand that we made the first move, and then it was possible to receive this incredible revelation. So too, for the second tablets, in order to get the second tablets, we have to first agree to get married, which is the time of tshuva, from El until Yom Kippur, and which is every single year a time of divine grace and mercy as we shall continue on and see why. Let's go to Oiz Gimel. It's known... That in the month of Elul, at the time of the revelation of 13 attributes of mercy. As the Alt, the Rebbe gives the analogy of the time of divine grace in this month with a parable of a king before arriving in the palace. He first goes out to a field and everyone from the city goes out to the field to see the king. And he accepts everyone with a beautiful face and shows them a smiling face. So to a month of Elul, we go to receive Hashem's light in the, in the field. In other words, without all the pomp of the royal kingdom, without all the protocol of the royal kingdom, Hashem is just accessible to us like a king in the field. That's the meaning of the 13 attributes of mercy. The Alt Rebbe then goes further and talks about, so to speak, what's going on within Hashem that that bring, is bringing Him to the field. And what's going on in us when we're going out to the field. So He says, What's happening, what we're looking for during this month is, that God should reveal His deepest desire, which is His love for the Jewish people. And what is something that we could do to cause God to reveal that love to us? What we could do is we could reveal in ourselves that our deepest desire is in Him. When we reveal our deepest desire, which is our love for God, that causes God, so to speak, to reveal how His deepest desire is in us. It's like the verse says, when w- just like water reflects your face, so too the lo- feelings you have for one person reflect in the heart of the other. Okay. Not now. I'm, I'm not doing sure. Thank you for the reference for Netanyahu. Do I know him? Let's talk a little later. Hmm? In the middle of the year. That's what I asked you. No problem. Okay. Um, okay, so 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 by us revealing our innermost desire to Hashem, that causes Hashem's desire to be in us. what this means is that God's revelation of the thirteen attributes of mercy empowers us to do the work in the field. The analogy of the field. Why is it specifically the revelation in the field? So there are many different explanations in the One of them is that Hashem wants us to make an effort to do something. As we just said, to reveal God's desire for us, we have to reveal our desire for Him. We have to go to the field, we have to show that we're interested. That's one reason why the field is used as the analogy. Another reason it's used is to answer a question. The question is, why isn't the whole month of el? like Shabbos, like a holiday. If it's a time of revelation, usually in order to get in touch with the revelation, we are required to do something to be worthy of that revelation or to be in the mood or to be a vessel to be in touch with the revelation. And the reason why there isn't such a rule about the month of Elul is because revelation is in the field. It's not something which is not higher than our realities. We have to which would require us to leave our reality, to be in touch with it. Rather, revelation is in a down-to-earth way. It's in the fields, in a way that's totally accessible to us. And therefore, we don't have to um, go anywhere else. We're able to be where we are and still absorb Hashem's revelation. It reminds me of what Rabbi Akiva uh, told Tunis Rufus. Rufus asked Rabbi Akiva, uh, how come your God breaks the Shabbos all the time? He tells us you not to plow and to plant and not to, uh, to uh, carry outside from private domain to public domain. So B'Kiva responded, for Hashem the whole world is like a private domain. And therefore Hashem can break the Shabbos. That's what he responded. But the answer doesn't seem to fit the question. Hashem doesn't just violate one of the 39 malachas, one of the violation of carrying on Shabbos. Hashem does everything. Hashem controls the entire world on Shabbos. And somewhere in the world Hashem is breaking Shabbos at every moment. So how can we say that Hashem keeps the mitzvahs? He gives us just, be- just because the world's considered like a private domain. And the answer is, the difference between a private domain and a public domain is that a private domain is a place where you feel that there's just one owner, where there is only one owner. A public domain is a place where there are many owners. So what Rabbi Kiva was saying was that in order for us to experience a Shabbos and a Yontif, we have to go away from the public domain to the private domain. We have to go away from all the things that we are creating and accomplishing and to realize that there's only one force in the world. That's what we are, we're meant to do on Shabbos. But for Hashem, Hashem doesn't have to do anything. Hashem doesn't have to go away from anywhere for that experience to exist. Hashem, where Hashem is, so to speak, um, is in a private domain. So in a similar way, in the month of Elul, the revelation of Hashem is such, in such a down-to-earth way that we don't have to leave our normal activities to get in touch with it. It's in the field. That's another reason why this analogy is given. And here the Rebbe gives a third reason why the analogy of his field is given specifically. <laughs> A field is a place where you're plowing your plant. A field is a place where you are engaged with the physical world, where you're involved in the physical. You're plowing, you're planting, and because it's a place where you're engaging with the physical, it could bring you down. In other words, the reason we're using the analogy of the field is to say that we're talking about rediscovering your connection to Hashem and going out to greet the king. Where is a place that you've lost that connection to the king that you need to go out and try to find it again? It's the field. It's your place of work, it's your engagement with, with the mundane that can bring you down, that has brought you down. And because of this, you need to rediscover your connection to Hashem and go out, so to speak, to, uh, to, to reconnect with Hashem. That's the, the reason why you have to try to discover Hashem. What's the reason you have, to, you have to make an effort? The reason that effort is needed is because of your involvement with the field. I'm going to paraphrase the, uh, next, the rest of this paragraph. So, our engagement with the field is what brings us down, and therefore, in order to find Hashem, if have to look where we lost our connection. It says in the Torah, "You should look for Hashem from there." What's the meaning of "from there"? If you lose something, the only place you could find it is in a place that you lost it. It may, may be a lot easier to try to find what you lost in another street corner where there's light. But if you want to find what you lost, you have to go to the place that you lost it. So too, if a person lost their connection to Hashem, they have to go to that same place where they lost it, and they have to correct what it is that made them lose that connection to Hashem. So what's the number one thing that you would think that make, makes it or breaks it with your connection to Hashem? So, what, I don't know if you guessed correctly or not, Dr. Ressman, the Rebbe says it is Bittle. your your devotion to Hashem, your submission to Hashem. The Talmud says, nullify your will for His will. We have to take, we have to depart from all of our desires. We should have no other desire except for our desire for Him. And through this, this, there is a benefit. The benefit is that Hashem also nullifies His desires for our sake. When we nullify our desires for His sake, Hashem, so to speak, takes away all the decrees against us and all the decisions that he has made for our sake. As the Talmud says, that when a tzaddik makes a decision, God fulfills the tzaddik's decision. So by having that sense of bittal, having that sense of devotion to Hashem, that causes Hashem to take away all the decrees against us and and in fact to listen to what what we're asking for. And more, not just Hashem does what we're asking Him to do, but more than that, we're also able to not only does Hashem want to do what we're asking for, but more, we're able to feel Hashem's desire. We're able to Hashem's innermost desire shines in us. So when Hashem's light, the, the Hashem's grace is shining upon us. Hashem's innermost desire is shining upon us. We need to make some vessels to to retain that revelation, and that is the letters of Torah that we recite. Let us of Torah that we recite is what can hold on to that revelation and, and keep it here. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk in Song of Songs. The, the, the Song of Songs is about the shepherd and her beloved, uh, the beloved shepherd and the kala and the bride. And and she is looking, she says, I, "I was. he was by the door, he was knocking on the door, and then I went to the door to open it for him and he departed. So she says, I ran. Into the marketplaces and into the streets to find my beloved, until I found him, and I, until I bring him. And when I found him, I, I didn't let go, and I will hold on to him. She says, "I will bring him back to the room that I was born in, to the to, to the uh, room that I was conceived in, to the house of my mother." So this mirror, this these words re- represent how a Jew is looking for Hashem. Where are we looking for Hashem? We're looking for Hashem in the place we lost our connection to Hashem. Where do we lose that connection? We lost that connection in the marketplace, in the streets, in our places we engage with the physical world, and, and, and therefore the way to find Hashem is in that same place. And it's, it's by looking at what we've done in those places, our lack of bittal, our lack of devotion to Hashem, we, when we correct that, we discover Hashem again. We, we're able to get in touch with that revelation. So what do we do when we get in touch with the revelation? So the Torah says you need to bring that back to your mother's the house of your mother, bring it, bring the, bring your beloved back to the room you were conceived in. That means we have to say the letters of the written Torah, and we have to study the oral Torah. The inspiration is, isn't sufficient. You have to hold on to the revelation. Holding on to the revelation means to hold on to the revelation means that not only are you uh, inspired but you're actually doing something to, to stay in touch with that experience. You're saying the words of Torah, but specifically, it's the oral Torah, which is the main thing, because it's easy to be inspired, but then what actually tangibly happens after you're inspired? So the Torah says that, she says, I, hold, I held on to my beloved, and I brought him to my mother's house. That means, I held on to this, this inspiration, and I kept her this inspiration, until I brought this to my mother's house, until I started saying words of Torah, until I started saying words of the Oral Torah, and not just saying the words, of the words of the Oral Torah, but the Oral Torah is unique in that it actually tells us the code of Jewish law, what we need to do, what we shouldn't do. So I took this inspiration, and I continued with it and held on to it until I actually did what, I, what my inspiration demands, which is to do what Hashem wants me to do, and to abstain from what Hashem tells me not to do. That's the meaning of um, of holding on to your beloved until you bring him to to your mother's house. So, in short, what we learned today is that um, this inspiration that Hashem gives us in this month, we need to uh, hold on to it, we need to keep keep on and not, not let go of it. Um, Dr. Brestman, you should go further or should we stop? Go further. Go further, all right. You're lucky you asked to go further. The juicy stuff is always at the end of the soup. I don't know if you know that. All right. So we have another question. What's the difference between the revelation of the month of Elul and the revelation of Yom Kippur? On the other hand, we talk about the 13 attributes of mercy every single day of the year. In, In the morning prayers, in the afternoon prayers, we're always reciting the 13 attributes of mercy. How is the attributes of mercy different every day, to how they are in the month of Elul, and how the revelation in the month of El is different to the way it is in Yom Kippur. So the Tzemach Tzedek gives an analogy for 13 attributes of mercy. The Rebbe quotes here, and I don't know any other place, what I, how would I know, but I don't know any other place that Rebbe quotes this um, analogy. The 13 attributes of mercy are, are comparable to jewelry. Just like jewelry that is placed on the bride, cause, which caused her to look more beautiful, and to find favor in the eyes of her room and that's why kabbalistically the jewelry is considered to be higher than clothing Tfillin are also compared to jewelry as it says in the tefillin are called which means Pe'er are called e- jewelry so mitzvahs in general are called clothing but what causes us to become beautiful in eyes of Hashem are the 13 attributes of mercy what does this mean why do we need something to beautify us in the eyes of Hashem? It says about the Jewish people that we are compared to Rachel. Rachel, the Torah says, that she was beautiful in form and beautiful in appearance. That means there's an external dimension to her beauty and there is an inner dimension to her beauty, her appearance. an unquantifiable, there's a form which represents a way to define her beauty, a way, a way that, that we can measure her beauty. And there's just her appearance, her inner charm, her inner grace. So she is comparable to, to the soul. There is something about the Jewish people's beauty that is definable. But there's something about the neshama's beautiful beauty that's definable. The, the Nishama has beautiful thoughts, beautiful words, and beautiful actions. The neshama has a beautiful intellect. The neshama has beautiful feelings. That's the meaning of, of the uh, beautiful form of the neshama. Beyond that, the neshama also has a beautiful appearance. That means the Nishama has, for Hashem, a desire, a love that's beyond logical and reason, that comes from the innermost part of the heart. So, because the neshama descends to this world, and when it's in this world, it's compared to a rose among thorns, and the thorns can prickle and, and hold back and conceal the Nishama. Which those? What are those thorns in our life? Those thorns in our life are all the different things we worry about. All the concerns, the physical concerns of this world. And all the desires of our animal soul. That's what holds back the neshama. And that's what the Torah means in this week's Torah portion when, when it says, you will see in captivity a woman of beauty. The woman of beauty refers to our neshama. And our neshama is in captivity because of the thorns That whole the the worries of the world and the and the desires that we have that prickle and prick and 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 hurt and hide and conceal and prevent the neshama from being who the neshama is. So what does Hashem do? So therefore, Hashem gives us the thirteen attributes of mercy in the month of Elul, which they are called adornments. They are called jewelry. Just like through jewelry, there is beauty that is given to the kala. The kala is granted beauty because of the jewelry that she is given so too Hashem gives us such mercy in this month that makes us look beautiful. So yeah, I'm not beautiful in form and I don't have beautiful thoughts and beautiful words and beautiful actions. And yes, I'm not beautiful in appearance because my inner desire for Hashem isn't at the forefront of my consciousness. But Hashem says, I'm not looking at you that way. I'm looking at you through the prism of 13 attributes of mercy. I'm looking at you with what makes you beautiful. I'm looking at you through jewelry. I'm looking at you, I'm adorning you with jewelry. I'm looking at you not just the way you are externally. I'm looking at you the way you really are. That's the power of 13 attributes of mercy. The Zohar gives a different analogy for Hashem's love for us. The Zohar says about a, a, a groom who finds his bride in a tannery and there's a foul stench there and still the groom goes to the tannery and he and he wants to be with his bride. He doesn't care about the stench. Hashem loves us despite our faults. That's one analogy. The analogy of Hashem giving us jewelry is that not only does Hashem love us because of our core, but that we look beautiful to Hashem. Our behavior not just our core is beautiful. If someone says they love someone else just because they have a beautiful core, you know, it's, a pretty loud, it's, like, it's like you may hate the person you love. You, you, you love them and you, and you, you can't have, be around them. There's a foul stench there. What's unique about the analogy of jewelry is that not just Hashem loves our core in the month of El, but Hashem sees our behavior in the month of El in a different light, so to speak. He sees it from the prism of, of, of the jewelry that adorns us. With, from the mercy that Hashem extends to us, that makes us look so great. So this is the difference between the revelation 13 attributes of mercy in the month of El, and the revelation on Yom Kippur. Throughout the year, Hashem's mercy is about our physical life. Hashem has mercy on us, and Hashem sustains us and nourishes us because of His love for us, because of the mercy that He has on us. So that mercy that Hashem has is upon the rose, is upon the soul, the way the, soul, the way the soul descends to this world, the way the soul is involved in the physical, and it's about our physical um, sustenance. Hashem has mercy on the, the neshama and grants the neshama life. What kind of life? What the Zohar calls the life of the body. There, is, there are two dimensions in God's sustaining energy of the world. Malchus is the source of God's energy that sustains the world. There are two dimensions in Malchus. There is the way Malchus remains in the world of Atzilus, and there is the way Malchus descends to animate the worlds beneath Beneath Atzilus. So the way Malchus is in this world, the way Malchus is animating creation, it's similar. It's called the external part of the rose, which is inside the thorns. So just like Hashem's animating energy is in the place of concealment, the place of where Hashem, so to speak, hides. So, to the mercy Hashem has is for the life of the body. Hashem has, throughout the year, the 13 attributes of mercy are about Hashem's is for external things, for lower things, for what's going on in our health, and our parnasa, and our... Na- that's, that's the 13 attributes of mercy throughout the year. On the month of Elul, there is the 13 attributes of mercy that extends to every single Jew, stems from and is upon the inner dimension of the rose, the neshama, the the life of our souls are not about our our Rahman rachma, rahmanas on, on what we should receive from Hashem, but rahmanas on who we are as people, who what we are inside, Rahmanas on, on our behavior, rahmanasan on, on what's going on the life of our Nishamas, on, on our spiritual life. Rahmanas Hashem extends to us. The month of is in our spiritual life. Yes, Rahmanas extends also to our physical life as well in the month of El It's also Rahmanas for all the good things that we need. As ever told many people needed different brachas ask for those things in the month of el but the way that Rahmanas of hashem extends to us in the month of el is through this through the spiritual Hashem's Rahmanas on, on our spiritual lives and through that he also has on our physical lives it sounds like to me that hashem give blesses us physically in the month of el because you in order to to help us spiritually as well as everyone said that when hashem gives a person an open and clear good it's in order to inspire that person to serve Hashem with joy. So that's the meaning of the revelation, the 13 attributes of mercy in the month of El, that's unique, that's the of Hashem and our And in Kippur, there's something more. During the month of El, the 13 attributes of, attributes of mercy are compared to jewelry. Jewelry aren't from part of the core, aren't part of the body. It's something which is placed upon the kala. That means it's something which is External. It's not from the very essence. It's something which is transcendent and distant. Higher than that is the thirteen attributes of, attributes of mercy that shines in Yom Kippur. And there, then, there's revelation from the essence of Hashem Mamish. and that's why in Yom Kippur the Rachmanas of Hashem extends equally to the soul and to the body. In other words, when we're talking about a father and a child, or we're talking about something which affects your very core, something that affects your very core. It doesn't it? Doesn't differentiate between um, the higher parts of yourself, the lower parts of yourself if, if you're happy a little bit, so you smile if you very happy, you, you sing but if something touches your very core not only do you, ha- you smile and you sing, you dance with your feet if something touches your core, it extends to everything so and there are 13 attributes of mercy that are revealed in Yom Kippur come from the very essence of Hashem and therefore Yom Kippur is a time which is, is, there's a harmonis of Hashem on the entire person on the life of the Neshama, on the life of the body and uh, it should all be written in silver for a good and sweet ear. Shkrech rest and a good Shabbos.